Hey, listeners, this is Matt. Just letting you know we were left without an editor at short notice this week, which is why there was no beer as a conversation and why I am editing Brews News Week this week. Hopefully, Joe will be back next week and normal service will resume. In the meantime, apologies for any sound or quality issues with this show. The content will be eh, what it always is, just without Joe's polish. Welcome to episode 425 of Brews News Week, recorded on Thursday the 22nd of June 2023. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, editor of Brews News, and I'm joined by my general manager, Sabrina Coons. Welcome back, Sabrina. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Happy Thursday. Happy State of Origin for us Queenslanders. Well, state of Origin, yes. It was a, a good game. I had a, you know, in, in, enjoyed a beer. Um, and I, I can say I enjoyed great it. Great outcome. Had a, a, a couple of great Northerns and a couple of uh, Four Pines... Pacific Ales. So CUB obviously had the, the, the porridge rice um, to the Queensland Stadium. But anyway, it was, yeah, not, not... It was a good game. Not the beers I would have put in. Well, I mean, the football's football. You know, it's, it's a beer podcast, not a football podcast. Okay, fine. So people want to know the sort of beers that you're going to get at the footy and how much it was, most importantly, given that's one of the topics we're going to be talking about. In detail, we're going to be talking about that topic today. Um so first item of news, Matt, um, we've got quite a bit of news and there sort of seems to be a theme, but Lion today announced um, to close Two Birds Brewing. Lion has today announced plans to cease production of Two Birds Beer and close the Spotwood Brewery and Tap Room. The company cited declining sales as a reason for the closure. While Two Birds Brewing has won a number of local and international brewing awards, sales have been on the downtrend for several years, said the head of marketing for Lions Fermentum Group. Despite continued marketing investment, it's not showing signs of a turnaround and we've made the difficult decision to cease brewing Two Birds and close the Nest Tap Room in Spotswood, Victoria. The statement advised that the closure will impact six permanent and seven casual team members. Redeployment opportunities are being explored. Uh, in a separate statement published in full um, on Bruce News, co-founder Jane Lewis said she can't help but feel a profound sense of sadness for the dedicated team who poured their hearts and souls into making this brand what it is today. While it isn't the outcome I'd hoped for, I believe that we built the success and I'm immensely proud of and will never die wondering. Lion advised that the final day of trade at the Nest will be Friday the 21st of July 2023 and Two Birds Brewing beers will be available for sale until stock runs out. So, um, end of an era. Look, and it's it's very gratifying, and I'm sure it's gratifying for the founders. Well, I hope it would be gratifying for the founders to see the very positive, you know, outpourings of support that they've seen online. Um, Because it is very sad news. You know, um, well, the the, the brewery is 12 years old. um, But, you know, Jane has been in the industry for a long time as a former Little Creatures brewer, head brewer at... uh, mountain goat and you know an, an industry leader in 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 so many ways um that it's you know it's great to see the industry supporting and recognizing that um you know w- when it comes to, to to the business i've seen a lot of um anger pointed at lion um when you know what was the um there, there was that story about um the frog and the uh, scorpion, and the scorpion says to the frog, you know, swim me across the river, um, and the frog says, no, you're going to sting me, and the scorpion says, I promise, I promise I won't sting you, and uh, ends up, you know, after a bit of the, I've, I've abridged the version, ends up, frog swims the uh, scorpion across, gets across, 
scorpion jumps off and stings a frog and the frog says what did you do that for you he goes i'm a scorpion this is what big businesses do and you know so lion didn't buy fermentum for two birds two birds um you know it, it if if anything it just makes the whole charade that went through when fermentum was sought that lion is our you know they they went searching for a feel good because they um word because they couldn't talk about our mates our partnership or anything like that they went custodian and lion weren't custodians for anything other than lion but i think i mean look i think it's there's clearly a lot of emotion around this business and the brand mm. but the reality is i mean if they're saying it's been in decline for a number of years and no amount of marketing is turning it around then whoever owned it whoever owned it that could be the case right and so I, I mean, we're about to come to multiple additional news stories about how tough a market it is right now. And small batch brewing with a number of staff is significant overhead. And I, I mean, if you were any number of these small businesses, you might be looking at this economic environment and saying, I can't continue 12 or 15 years on from when I found it because I'm exhausted. These headwinds are too big. I don't know that it's just a lion thing. I mean, oh, it's not a lion. That, that, that's uh, my point. It's not it, a lion thing at all. Yeah. But the the yeah. the promise that was made when Fermentum sold, you know, and and one of the things that we always heard about this conscious business that was Fermentum, you know, that they had their wheel of their seven, their people were one of the things that they promised, you know, our community, our environment, you know, our suppliers, you know, all of these people, the people they made promises to. Um, and once again, it was, you know, the, the, the line from Top Gun. Their, their ego was cashing checks that their body couldn't cash. Um, so uh, with the exception that, you know, Lion was buying Stone and Wood. Stone and Wood had no, gotten no, involved in No, they in bought Fermentum. fermentum. And in, 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 in the release, they said, we bought Fermentum, we bought Fixation, we bought, sure. they bought the whole group sure. of companies. That, they, and they did buy they a group of companies. custodians of them. Sure. They acquired the three companies, but the company they wanted to acquire was Stone and no, Wood. They, they and had it not Pacific had the app. other two, yeah, 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 they yeah. want a Pacific app. Had those other two businesses not been attached by Stone and Wood, it's highly unlikely they wouldn't have been acquired, right? It's not like Lion would have gone and said, "We don't want Stone and Wood. We'll just take two no, birds, exactly, or yeah, we'll just take fixation." Absolutely. So, so they, they bought so, the whole thing, and yet the promise was they, made to the Fermentum family. Um, so, you know, look, again, that's just a little point. It was just part of the nonsense charade that went through on Fermentum Sale Day, that Lion is a custodian rather than Lion is a business. We are selling our business for value. And incidentally, I, I got um, $568 million, um, I think was the number um, that, that I was able to confirm. Um, it, was a, it was a sale. It wasn't a custodianship arrangement. It was a sale. And but it, it, it was a sale, but I, I mean, I think, look, we have no idea what's going on in the background. You know, they talk about sizable marketing efforts. What I think is that hopefully, um, and, and I don't know the situation, um, but hopefully the founders who sold in the beginning, you know, had a more graceful exit, quite frankly, out of those brands than a lot of people who were closing down their businesses today right so they exited two birds 
when two birds became fermented and then lined. Sure, there was, you know, work back arrangements and people participating in the business, but they actually got their exit. They they got their ability to leave. Presume again, I'm, I'm guessing whether they so there was a, presumably a, a, based on all of the others. But uh, and that's great, and you know, their hard work, that's their exactly risk, right. their sweat equity, all of that was rewarded. But the promise that's that Stone right. and that Fermentum always made was our people, our people, our people. And it's not just our founders who get paid out. You know, there are 13 jobs, people who are going to be devastated today. Um, and again, I, I, I'm not saying that that's yeah. Lion's fault, um, but I am saying that hopes had been built up because of this nonsense that they are custodian. Yeah, it's the end of an era. It's been a significant, It's as a, as a brand and as a business, in and of itself, it's played a significant role in the industry and in particular for women and the profile of women in the brewing industry and all of that, right? So, but that will be being stirred up in people's emotions today as they as they receive this news. By, by the way, it was always a bit of a surprise that Stone and Wood bought or Fermentum bought Two Birds because, you know, Two Birds was one of those brands that at the very start of the business, I really admired, they were a brand that started with a core range. You know, they had their um, golden ale, uh, their sunset ale, and then they, and, and even before they started coming out with beers like Taco, but you know, had a very strong brand. They had a, you know, um, Danielle is a very good marketer, very good brand person. Um, and they're out there, you know, they, they knew what their message was. Um, they knew what their brand was. They knew what their, their beers were bang on. And in a lot of ways, it was a it's a, it was a really interesting case study in how tough the market is because they were doing everything right. And as they went on, you started seeing, you know, they discontinued the Golden Ale, which was a superb beer, um, you know, and started playing around. And then they got into the every month we need to come out with a new thing. Um, we need to sponsor sporting clubs and become part of our community. And it, 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 it's what I call you know, the, the wobble just before you fall off your bike. You know, you're cycling very well and then the bike starts and they would, you could sort of see, we don't have that same strong sense of direction. We're going chasing the market that we should be in as opposed to the market that we launched into, which is common of, of a lot mm. of breweries. And, you know, um, and a necessity if the market that you launched into has changed, right? If you had a really strong sense of this is who we're going to be because this is the market we want to serve and now all of a sudden the market has shifted under your feet and it's not quite where you thought you were, that makes sense. And and to be honest, I mean, we're going to go through a couple more stories um, in a minute, but that's a that's fairly common and I think you know we're going to have a lot of breweries getting the wobbles right now let's move on to the other closures because you know I just want to talk some numbers about where we're at with the industry in terms of we launched our brewery radar um, is up for this month and also the breweries that we're tracking and planning and honestly the numbers don't seem to be slowing down that much despite closures so um, Wicked Elf Beer to close. Port Macquarie's Wicked Elf Beer is the latest brewery to succumb to increasingly difficult market conditions, announcing that it will soon be shutting its doors permanently. The brewery took to Facebook over the weekend to announce the up- upcoming closure. It's with sadness that we inform you Wicked Elf will be closing. Um, drop in and say goodbye and grab some beers. Um, and you can read the full story on Brews News. But of course, um, the current owner, basically made the point that everybody in the market is is making which is 
We've had successive, successive challenges since taking over the brewery, bushfires, COVID, staffing. We can't get hospitality staff. And then when things finally start to settle down, we've got inflation and everything's gone up. All costs in materials have gone up. Um, and, I sh and the quote is, I'm sure you hear this from all other breweries, but it's actually really hard to increase the price of your beer because people don't expect to pay more for it, even though everything else has gone up. And, and that is the crux of the problem that we're facing. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, Wick Wicked Elf, Stephen Chung, um, who is the last owner, the, the, the owner who took the decision, um, he bought it. It used to be the little uh, brewing company, um, which, again, was a wonderful yep. little brewing company um, by two passionate people who um, were very good brewers um, and making some amazing beer. But it, it, I always just got the sense that their business sense um, – that they didn't run the business well. And so they went out of business uh, owing a lot of people money, um, almost like what we've seen in the last you know, six or seven months. Um, and it was yep. a little bit isolated at that time. Um, Stephen Chung, who has winery interests around Port Macquarie and is a doctor and uh, a local restaurateur to, took it over um, and bought it out of the administration. And you know that was, what, five years ago? And God just buying into that and then having all of the challenges. But the thing that I found really interesting and, and all credit to him because he has, it, it, from what I have heard and understand, he was actually funding the business through his other businesses, keeping it afloat and keeping it alive, mm. you know, through all of those challenges. And, you know, he did say um, staffing has been, you know, just impossible. But then I saw the um, general manager and head brewer on the local TV saying that their electricity costs are more than their rental costs or their, their lease costs. Yeah. Um, and that's gone through the roof. Their ingredients costs and all of that, um, which everyone is consistent with. But the thing that I found really, really interesting um, was, you know, so I said, oh, look, you know, are you having the same challenges with your wine winery? And he, he just, you know, comparing the two, he said, brewing is much more labor intensive it's much more energy intensive it's much more you make your wine once a year and you've got the rest of the year to flog it off that's not his words they're mine so you yes. make it once <laughs> um and then you sell it yeah um, with beer you 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 are making it you know potentially every day um of, of the year to keep up and you're selling it your margin is lower um it, it's yep. harder to keep the consistency right when you're doing that. So I, I found that a really, really interesting insight um, from somebody who has operated both businesses. Certainly when I was in WA, uh, a lot of the conversation was about um, upcoming energy price increases. So, um, you know, that haven't even hit yet. So um, I think, you know, that, that observation around energy um, and which is why you know, just to dovetail, you know, we've often talked about people use the greenwashing around sustainability, but one of the sustainability things is, um, you know, solar electricity and electricity options. And it's going to prove that those that have invested, it's been, it's good business for like right now. But if you haven't already invested and you clearly don't have the capital to do so because of the challenges that the business environment is facing, those electricity costs alone mm. um, could be, could be what tip tips breweries over. I might even go back and have a chat, or listeners should go back and listen to the chat that we did with um, Scott uh, from Helios Brewing uh, on Beer as a Conversation. Mm, that's right. Because 
he, he's an environmental scientist and he really, you know, he was criticised, uh, not criticised, but the observation was how, how much he'd over-engineered his sustainability solutions in terms of solar power and the solar heating um, of the water that, you know, flash heats um, the, the water. And it, it is looking more and more prescient um, now yeah. when, when you look at uh, how efficient his brewery must be. But uh, I'm presuming that because of the, the, the focus he put onto those things. But uh, it's probably worth going back and mm. having a, a chat to him. And another story that's in the same vein, but not a closure, Matt, Tallboy and Moose announce ownership transition. Melbourne's Tallboy and Moose Brewery has announced the departure of Steve Germain from the business with his co-founder, Daniel Hall, taking over the business as sole director. Speaking with Brews News, Dan Hall, the Tallboy of Brewery's name, said that in a challenging market, the pair had been through a period of of being undecided about how the future of the business should unfold. We explored all of the options that were in front of us and how we should make a change. And in the end result, Steve made the decision that he wanted to move on. And so he gave me the option of buying him out and continuing on my own. Uh, the company said the transition won't affect the quality and creativity you've come to know and expect from Tallboy and Moose. So, I mean, there was a lot in that article, Matt. But again, um, I don't want to say something that Bruce News has been talking about for a while, but they basically laid out in pretty clear terms the way that they went about how do you exit? What are exit strategy options? Do we sell it? What is market value? How do we market? How do we set up between the two of us? And so on and so forth. Um, and, and there was the, the great quote that said, you know, ultimately he let me buy him out. Um, but at the end of the day, market value is only what somebody mm. is willing to pay for it. And so at this juncture and with this level of uncertainty, all of these partnerships where somebody might be wanting to step out and get a real job or the business can't sustain two owners uh, taking drawings anymore, those sorts of conversations about how people exit, uh, whether it's the brand closing down or one or more people leaving, um, are likely to be happening across the country. And, and, and that's where, you know, any story can be covered any number of ways. But, you know, at Bruce News we try and cover the information that is of interest or education for the industry. And, you know, you could easily have written that story and sort of said, um, just spoken to Dan and sort of said, so what's your vision for it? And done all of the gloss, which doesn't teach anybody anything and it doesn't educate anybody. But it, it, it's one of the things that fascinates me about, you know, brewery ownership. Um, we get so many yeah. media releases um, and still getting stories about, Two mates, three mates, you know, two families, <laughs> their dog, having beers and deciding to open a brewery. And coming up with a plan, you know, with your vision over beers is fine. Um, but I, th I think it was Mike Tyson said, you know, uh, you, you've got a plan until you get punched in the face. Um, you know, all of, all of it. I'm laughing because this is like the seventh quote slash analogy um, that you've made so far in the it first 20 makes minutes. It visual. I feel like you're drawing it makes on a it lot visual. of it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but, but you can have a plan and your plan is great right up until yep. Mike Tyson punches you in the face. And then what are you going to do? Sure. So, so, yeah. so, so rather than just go to ask Dan, well, you know, what is your vision for the, you know, um, Tallboy and Moose part two? It's you know, gee, that's, this is really interesting, having two guys who have been together for a long time who love beer and the, the, the business is named after them. Um, you know, Steve is Tallboy. Um, uh, sorry, Steve is Moose, Dan is Tallboy. And um, 
how did you come to this? You know, how, how do you do it? Because there are so many different ways of valuing yeah. it. And that was where I really appreciated both of them for engaging in the chat. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it is quite hard. But it was exactly the same conversation I had when Little Bang sold. And they went a yeah. different way because there's so much sweat equity that you put in that you're never going to be paid for that when they got the yeah. valuation for the actual business for one of them to pick it up for that cost, you know, my, my reading between the lines was for one of them to pick it up for what the business was actually worth and pay the other half or, you know, whatever percentage of that. Yeah. The one who just got cash would have felt cheated because he was leaving behind. And that's an incredibly hard thing um, to have to do. So anyway, so, so that, was, that, that was why I covered it that way. And it was a really interesting and I was really pleased for them for talking and it's well worth reading. And it also sounds like, you know, incredibly thoughtful, which I think is really lovely, right? They've been incredibly thoughtful about what to do and how to do it And I picked up no hint, you know, again, either the, you know, quite often you'll pick up the, just the, the words or the phrasing is that there's some bitterness or some, and there was just none of that. Yeah. And, and outside of that, um, I think the, the, the thing is that, again, it's another business exit of, of a way and um, Steve said he found himself in a different position in life, whereas Dan still felt he had more to do. These are the things that when you open a brewery with your dream of going big and you know, maybe being bought out or just having a self-sustaining lifestyle, um, your plans change. You have children, you have divorces, yep. you have illness in the family. You The market changes and it's not fun anymore. Um, yep. You get tired, yep. like all of these things that when you open, um, you should, and I think we've actually got a, an article somewhere from an accountant firm on the site, you know, open with a plan to exit. You may never need that plan. Hopefully you don't need that plan, but have a plan. So these things are at least worked through before it opens. So in the same vein on sort of, you know, um, challenges, I guess, in the industry, um, you had an article this week, pregnancy labelling bites hard for breweries. As the brewing industry approaches the 31 July transition date for mandatory pregnancy labelling, uh, small breweries are facing the costly realities of the change. Faced with costs of $90,000 to replace existing can stocks, Melbourne's Bad Shepherd Brewing has instead opted to overprint its cans with new labels. Co-owner DT Hales told Brews News that the alternative saved $60,000 but other challenges but has other challenges for the brewery. The total cost of writing off cans and ordering new cans would have been around 90,000. The oversticking exercise is costing us 30K plus the potential impact on our brand perception at the shelf. We'll let people know on the label and through digital and cellar door communication why we're overstickering. However, at the shelf, there's potentially an immediate impression of the product before they even pick it up. So um, I thought that was a really thoughtful and interesting insight into how these changes uh, are um, on the ground and it's funny Matt when you sent me this um, you asked me a question about it I went oh transition date oh that's ABAC and it just made me really think just how much is on everybody's plates in terms of significant regulatory environment changes at a time when we've got all of the other challenges that you've listed there and how it really just is magnifying and compounding the other yep. issues. And, and this came so. to Didi, um just sort of sent us an email sort of saying, hey, you know, we're sending this out. Do you think there's a story? And of course, you know, as a, again, from the industry angle, um, you know, what does it mean? Because when the pregnancy label changes came out, I went back and read a whole lot of the 
um, uh, you know, submissions that have been made. And, you know, you've got FAIR and yep. all of those groups who are basically saying it's a furphy, the, um, the brewing, in, you know, the, the, these costs aren't a thing. You know, they can, they, they can wear yep. it. And, I mean, they don't give yep. a shit. They, they would probably be happy if businesses went out of business. Um, of course they are. That's the goal. But that, and that was the thing. You know, it, it, it's, it, writing this article, you don't want to give the impression or even open yourself up to the suggestion that you're an industry stooge. No, that's right. And that you're just saying the pregnancy label shouldn't have been done um, because costs are more important than people's lives is essentially the argument that you can make. And that's absolutely not what we're saying. But conversely, the lobby that you know lobbied for these um, are so self-righteous and don't think that this has impacts, you know, if this puts businesses out um, of, you know, if this puts breweries out of business or puts additional pressure on people's mental health, then you're actually creating, a, you know, a, a, another yeah. human oh. catastrophe or another human problem um, cost. cost. Um, yeah. And they have no um, care about that. So, but yeah, all in all, it was amazing to see the costs that were involved, but then also, you know, trying to manage that. Um, and... I thought it was really insightful, though, around, you know, what does the sticker mean for public perception? But I will say that uh, Kylie Lethbridge, the CEO of the IBA, I think commented on the article on LinkedIn and made the observation that already the IBA have been assisting and advising people on how to do overstickering um, because, you know, as anticipated, um, Bad Shepherd are not alone in this, right? There are plenty of other breweries that are doing this um and so you know if you're not sure uh and you've got a month to go six weeks to go get in touch with the iba um and see if they can provide any advice to you but you know the deadline is well, looming the so 30, 31 was doing it um, or has plans to do it seems to have come as a, a a surprise to a large number of breweries based on the comments that I've seen and the people who, you know, even people who I think are very active in the IBA who seemed unaware of that or decided it wasn't the, the other alternatives, maybe they decided it wasn't the solution for them. Um, um, so I think there's, uh, so, hey, Matt, that was my classy I know, I know where hey, you're Matt, going if... with this because <laughs> if you do need to oversticker, if you do need to relabel, <laughs> if you've got to get pregnancy warnings on your labels, you know, that is a huge challenge. And if only you had a it trusted is. business partner, Sabrina, who was able to assist yep. you with that huge challenge. Mm. Can, can you think of anyone? I can think of well, I someone. Can. And, and I can not think only, of... Not only can I tell you how to contact them, but I can tell you that they're going to be at BrewCon on the Gold Coast this August. So not only can you hear us talk about them, you can meet the guys, Brad and Paul, and the team from Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging. You can call them now on 1300 852 235 to discuss your options or email sales at rallingsprint.com.au. Or you can also wait until August, but don't wait till August. See them now. It's the end of the financial year. Start spending some money. Get that easy tax deduction. I have a great little rallying story. So I um, had a meeting yesterday with Kevin from Thirsty Merchants. Happy birthday, Kevin. It was his birthday yesterday. Um, but we were chatting all things BrewCon and what we were going to do at BrewCon for Brews News. And he was like, 
I just want to be rallings on the podcast, but also here's what we're doing with rallings for Brucon. <laughs> so rallings are printing things for thirsty merchants. Thirsty merchants are, print, are getting merch for rallings. I was like, oh, here's what we need from both of those parties. And so he's like, oh, that was Paul just texting me right now as we're meeting. And I thought, oh my God, my world is so small. <laughs> so shout out to uh, Kevin from Thirsty Merchant. I and, for that. And, really? um, good dollars for that. So. <laughs> and Paul, who texted me, who texted during that meeting, which is what inspired me to think about it. So anyway, um, and in a final piece of news, uh, although there's all sorts of bits of news, um, I'm just going to flag, um, uh, while we're talking about labels, um, you may also need to make changes to your labels um, or give some thought to as a result of the new ABAC mm -hmm. code coming into force and the new sort of, I don't want to say enforcement date, but the date that the new ABAC code comes into effect is the 3rd of August. So right at the time you're making your pregnancy labeling changes, you need to be thinking about the new ABAC code. Um, so just reinforcing that timeline there. Um, but in other news, um, Mighty Craft announced to the ASX this morning um, that Mark Hazeman, CEO and, and managing director would be stepping down. And kind of like the uh, two birds Fermentum, something's going to happen story, the something's happening at Mightycraft story has been swirling for a while. And, and, yeah, again, just for, for, for a little bit of inside journalism um, for, for this one, we've got the media release, and there's a lot you can say about it. But it, it's a little bit like Lion. Um, you know, Lion uh, has gradually been trickling out. You know, um, Tiny Mountain closed, uh, Bevy changes at Stone and Wood. This fixation, who knows what's going to happen with fixation, you know, there's a whole business restructure. A little bit the same with um, Mighty Craft. Uh, Mighty Craft announced, and we covered it uh, the week of Good Beer Week, um, that uh, they're doing a strategic review, um, which has ominous overtones. Um, now they're letting Mark go, so, you know, the, the, or, or we can really... Well, he's resigned, well, Matt. They're not letting him go. He's resigned. So he's stepping down. But did he jump or was he he's pushed? He's stepping down. Is always the question. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm saying the media release says he yes, resigned. Yes. Um, uh, he, he, well, he, he's being off-boarded somewhere. He resigned <laughs> mid a strategic review. review while the share price is down. At what, seven cents? So... Eight cents? Yeah, it's. Nine I just six. had a quick look. I was last trade six point oh, wow. eight yeah, seven cents, cents okay. down zero zero point two. So it's it's still so. So the value you know, of the entire further. business is worth less than what they paid for one of the sub businesses. Um, essentially, is, is is the takeaway from that. So yeah. So um, look. I, I, to his credit, um, you, you know, I, I always, even when we were butting heads a little bit on the podcast, um, Mark always picked up the phone. Well, long after I um, suspected he wouldn't, um, you know, he always answered. He always, he always fronted, fronted, right? Um, he stood there. Sometimes yep. I wasn't quite sure what the words he was using meant um, because they were very corporate, but he, he, he answered the phone. And, you know, so good luck to him. And that takes... That takes, you know, well, I don't, I'm he's the front of a very big business that had a lot of big 
personality, big interests business, and moving parts and, he was and the all sorts of, of things. It. And, you know, whilst we can say a lot about Mighty Craft, Mighty Craft's woes weren't just his... Yeah, he and he showed up and did his best to answer questions given all of the things, right? And, and, so, and he's a really yeah. nice guy, apart from anything else. Nice, yeah, exactly. So um, that's it for sort of heavy hitting news. I did just want to flag, um, Matt, as I mentioned earlier, I just wanted to run these numbers. I hadn't put it in the show notes, but I meant to. We posted Brewery Radar this week and we tracked... Um, so we've currently got on the Australian Brewery Database, so that is physical breweries currently in Australia, 661 mm-hmm. breweries. This week we added in an additional four new open brewery openings in the last month through Brewery Radar. We're tracking the status of another 26. Uh, so Sorry, we're tracking the status of 26 in that, so that was sort of, let's call it 22. So we've got 661 plus four. Uh, breweries, physical breweries in the country. I just had a quick look at how many contract brands we're currently tracking. It's around 42. So that takes us over the 700 brewery slash brand numbers um, in in Australia. And on our um, watch list for Brewery Radar of companies, be it a combination of expansions, venues and so on that we're tracking, it's another 72 so our openings are still outpacing our closures at the moment in terms of on a month-by-month basis and the number that are in planning doesn't seem to stop. And, and by that I mean, you know, there are significant development applications associated with some of these, maybe some that have just taken out trademarks or are in the early stages of planning will be... Um, stopping but there are many many that we're tracking that sort of started planning during COVID and are just coming to fruition so I just wanted to you know when we look at the the topics we've discussed before and we look at the information that Bruce News is capturing including through Brewery Radar it's still a really um, dynamic environment out there in terms of who's coming and going and then also quite frankly what businesses are doing in terms of adding venues, um, uh, selling equipment. So, so there's just a whole lot that we're watching that sort of says it's a really dynamic industry right now and businesses are all giving it their best shot uh, and, and the approaches are, uh, are varying wildly. But it is why um, I made the point right at the beginning around when your market shifts and you knew who you were, the market today is so, so different you think you want from to what open it was. In 18 months' time when you open is going to be different in reality and then it's yeah. going to be different but, 12 months later again. Um, yeah, so it, it just is a really, I, I mean, you know, we spend a lot of time looking at all of these movements in intricate detail and trying to sort of understand what they mean and look at trends, but I just throw those numbers out there, you know, so over 700 breweries and breweries brewing brands and kind of, you know, um, another 72 in varying statuses of, of um, changes that are still out there. So that's fascinating. I, I, um, I, 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 and, and if you are one of those breweries that is thinking, that is in the planning stage of opening, again, I, I, I'm very conscious of not wanting to shit can anyone's hopes and dreams or anything like that. I just want people to go into it with clear eyes because yeah. we're well beyond the stage where opening a brewery 
in a expanding market um, will guarantee you'll keep your doors open. I'm not even saying it's being a success. Um, yeah. But I would love to hear, if you are planning a brewery, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you're going to do differently um, to establish a you know defined presence in the market and where you think the growth is going to come from. Are you going to be taking um, drinkers away from hotels, um, you know, to, to your venue? Are you going to be part of the community? Um, are you going to be bringing them back from other other spirits um, or, or what? Because the there isn't a lot of organic growth at the moment. So um, I'd be really keen. Leave us a voicemail. Tell me, yeah. Leave us a um, voicemail. Put, it, there's a link in the show notes to that, isn't it's it? It's in okay, the show so notes. There's a link in the show notes. Yep. So if you want to tell us your thoughts, um, tell us when we're wrong as well because we're just talking. Yeah, into a black I know, room. great. Um, we don't know who's out there listening. <laughs> we're, uh, there's another metaphor for you um, or another simile or another whatever. Um, Tell us, yeah, tell us when you disagree with us. When you're driving and screaming at your radio because we're idiots, um, <laughs> please tell us because most of the time we're thinking out loud. Oh, is it? Yeah, absolutely. We're processing and thinking out loud as well. So um, there are a couple of uh, items that got posted into do you the radio. Do, Bruce, before we do that, do you want to do Brewery of the Week? Because I want to – poor old sure. uh, Derek, uh, I, I, I completely forgot him uh, in your absence. So Two weeks uh, we'll, ago. We'll bump him up the show order a little bit. Sabrina, do you have a Brewery of the Week? <laughs> I do have a Brewery of the Week. Brewery of the Week is brought to you by Bluestone Yeasts. End of year, end of financial year sale. Listeners to the show all know that Bluestone Yeast provides local liquid yeast for local craft brewers until the end of June. So you've got um, a few more days. They're offering 20% off all homebrew packs purchased through homebrew retailers with 2 billion yeast cells in every pack. They pack a punch. Check the website, bluestoneyeast.com.au slash buy for your local retailer. Um, and my brewery of the week um, to keep on my WA trip was Eagle Bay Brewing. And um, I just can't rate the region enough, but Eagle Bay Brewing is, it looks like you're arriving at a winery um, in the sense that it's sort of this big sandstone, it's this building and you approach it's it and it doesn't shed look. with a couple of kegs and some. It's not an industrial yeah. shed. It's not even sort of small. It's this, it's, it's clean lines, grand scale, and you walk in through this absolutely beautiful, massive front door, and straight away you look across the restaurant over and you get hills with, um, you know, the, the cows are grazing, you can see the ocean, there's this huge playground out on the grass for the children. You can absolutely imagine what it's like in summer. I was there in winter. Um, the food is you know, elevated uh, pub food. So um, approachable and delicious, but lots of share plates, lots of vegetarian options, good meat, classic beer list. They have their Kolsch that's gone from, um, you know, strength to strength is one of their best sellers over there. Um, but, you know, just a well-oiled machine. And um, both um, – Keith, who's the GM there, and then Bronte, who's the head of marketing, really give back to the community that is craft beer. So Bronte's done a whole heap with the Western Australian Brewers Association and then also with um, the Southwest Brewers Alliance. But it is just, I mean, on a summer's day, you just couldn't beat it. And even on winter, it sort of had these moody clouds, but because you were elevated, you were overlooking it. So the beer is good, the food is good, the service is good. I just... 
it was really different to the other breweries that we went to um, and I just, yeah, couldn't rate it enough, really enjoyed it. So um, get out to Eagle Bay if you get the chance. Um, get down to Margaret River and see them all. Wonderful. Um, let's go. Interesting. A uh, couple of uh, been very active group in the uh, Radio Brews News Facebook group. If you're a listener, it'll, it's on Facebook, obviously. This Join is called in. Radio Brews News. Um, Daily Mail, always good for a screaming headline. But it's a story that we've been seeing more and more of recently. Beachfront, pu- Beachfront Pub sparks outrage after charging more than $40 for three schooners of beer. and uh, It's literally been making its way through all of the News Corp publications. So I'm pretty sure we had this exact same article published. Well, yeah, like and, and, and we're seeing, but it, as I think I said last week... It doesn't take away... It, it, as I did with that um, you know, scathing... Uh, oh, no, I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, that scathing... Um, <laughs> this scathing review that you haven't talked no, about on the oh, podcast. No, 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 but there, there was that article that I posted what? to the Radio Brews News Group about um, you know, beer labelling, and it basically you know, talked about how you know, stupid and, you know, misogynistic and it was just a bunch of boring blokes mm-hmm. trying to pretend... Oh, yeah, yeah. Go have a look in the Facebook group. Yeah. My point with that one, it was, like, so raw and so aggressively attacking the craft beer industry over its labelling that for something, you know, when these things hit, they're because they're popular, like, they, they have traffic and they are viral news stories because they resonate with people. And when you see, you know, so that's um, $14.70 for a schooner of stone and wood. Um, that's a lot of money for, for a schooner of beer. Um, and yes, it is tax and yes, it is cost. And we can, you know, cry till the cows come home from a brewing industry perspective of why beer costs as much as it does to make. But the one thing that nobody in this industry is doing, and I keep coming back to, is we're not telling people why it's worth that. We're not saying why Mm. beer is a drink. You know, know, $14, $15 is almost up around cocktail prices. You know, you're paying $19, $20 for for a a cocktail in a lot of places. So that, that is actually a lot of money. But if as an industry, we can complain about these screaming headlines or we can get out there and try and show why our product is aspirational, why it actually marks you out as a person of knowledge you know, in your social group to be drinking beer. Because it's been a long time. You know, wine became the thing that if you knew a little bit about, you showed yourself as being an educated yeah, yeah. person. You know, if you know a little bit about gin, if you you know, are a, a whiskey drinker. There are ways to do that. Brewing, the brewing industry has just pandered to business, to, to, to beer drinkers, um, rather than trying to lock value in. So beer's not going to get cheaper. It's just not. So we can put up with these headlines and yell at the headline makers, or when m- things like this hit the mainstream media, ask ourselves, we can make the case. why is this hitting the mainstream media? And how do we get out there and make the case for why our, our product is worth it? I think we can make the case for why our product is worth it, Matt. But I think like all consumers at the moment, it's one of those things that um, one of the differences with the way that beer is perceived and portrayed by mainstream media is that it's um, relatable. 
Yep. So it, just to the point that you made, which is if people were talking about a cost of a bottle of wine has gone up $2, that sort of, it, it it's perceived that that isn't as representative of, and I'm doing mm. air quotes, the common man, for want of a better word. Which is why Chardonnay is, this thing. is a derogatory term for inner city you know, elites who are out of touch with the world. Yep. And, and beer isn't that. Yep. And beer is perceived as something that if mainstream media write about it, everybody kind of gets it. You know, it's 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 relatable, it's understandable, it's attainable. And so I think there's the point around why we make the case for what it costs. But I think as we start to unearth what is it that we, what is the story we want to tell about beer in Australia and Australian beer culture, um, we are, with a, with there, there is a beer for everyone. <laughs> beer is for everyone. We are accessible. We're open. We are part of the story. So, it's a really tough narrative to to, to create between matching this. You should pay us more. Our products are worth it, and also we want to be available for everyone. And so, I think you know marketers out there who are smarter than me, when we can give them some money under Beer Australia can start to weave that but narrative together in a really cogent way. Through who have yep. zero respect for beer. They, they don't see it as for the being yeah. something that is the every person's drink, that it's the, it, it's, it's the low-key casual beverage. But anyway, yeah, uh, we've talked about it, which brings to the next story, which is along the same lines of a story that was on the conversation that, that I saw and I, you know, I was, I was going to share it and then I just sort of dismissed it, but it's been picked up everywhere. The Guardian's picked it up, ABC News. Why are we paying so much for alcohol-free drinks that aren't taxed? To, you know, and to the people in our Facebook group who were sort of getting upset about it and things, yes, you can say that, but it's a very legitimate question to have. If beer at $14 a schooner um, has alcohol in, you take that alcohol out, why is it, you know, to, to, to them, to, to the average consumer, you're actually taking a benefit out. You're taking an attribute out of the product. Um, and then when you layer on the fact that it's a highly taxed att attribute, that adds cost. So I was just going to say, even if you take out, even if you take out that there's an attribute, because I can understand why some people might choose the attribute of a non out product, right? But you just take that out. But, you know, we talk to breweries and they're like, excise is a hard cost. It, 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 it. It's something that we know we have to pay, but it adds into the margin to the consumer. So that just means the margin is bigger. Even if all of your other costs are exactly the same between a non-ALK product and an ALK product, that's 20% off your margin that you're making if you keep your price to the consumer the same. So, um, and, and maybe you can say ours is such a refined cordial, we deserve it. Um, but that is precisely the point that we were just making about beer. You still need to make the argument. And so you need to argue why um, all of your other production costs hold true. You deserve a 20% additional margin that doesn't go to the government, right? You need to make the cost for why it's so premium. And, and, and that's the thing. So it's, it's your job to convince consumers. And clearly when these articles are running that there is, again, this is tapping into a well of... Um, a deep well of misunderstanding or a deep well of people wondering. Um, the th the but, but it is super... Sorry. Sorry, Matt. I was going to say what's so interesting about it to me is I was in WA 
uh, at the at the conference and you had some media folks it was a panel on how to write a good media release i encourage everybody to think about how to write a good media release um but the by the by the journalists were saying oh if you can tap into the non-alc uh, trend, then you know that's really on trend to write about. And I was sitting next to someone who works in the industry who has data on non-out products, and we were both just shaking our heads, saying, "Why the hell are these journalists encouraging businesses to make products or build products where we know there aren't the sales?" And I guess this type of article, "Why Are We Paying So Much for Alcohol Free," is the first sort of chink in the narrative that non-alcs are doing so well, that it's growing, that it's everywhere. Because if people are asking the question, why am I paying so much for this? That's the start of the, like, are we going to keep telling the super sexy but, narrative and, and, and that enough, that, that, oh, That's what I was just about to say. This is going to get me into trouble. Oh, no, so, no, 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 because you came at oh. it a different way. But the same point is nobody in the industry and outside of us, and we got lambasted for being anti low alk or anti-zero alk beers we've been saying for two or three years um is it really a thing you know i don't see the sales i don't think yeah and but when i as i've said over and over and over again there hasn't been a segment of the brewing industry or new product area of the brewing industry that has had more enthusiastic unquestioning coverage in the mainstream media because to the media it's an interesting divert. It, it's an interesting anomaly. Alcohol-free product, and they know that it's you know it's a curiosity, and it's and, and it'll get attention because they can talk about the man bites dog dogs dog story um, kind of thing. And when those same media who are now being oh you know they're clickbait journalism and you know gee they don't know what they're talking about mm. when. When they're telling a story that the brewing industry likes, the brewing industry shares it because it's part of their PR. Um, but as soon as the same thing works against them, and, and my concern with alcohol-free, not that it's not a good product, not that it doesn't serve a reason, not that it's yep. anything like that, but that there is an element of, and it always has been an element of the craft brewing industry that we, and I heard it described this week, as getting high on our own supply. We believe our own <laughs> bullshit so badly because partly because we need to because it's a hype-driven industry and anything that fuels that hype is good. But the thing that always has me scratching my head is how often the industry cites to media or references to media facts that most people yeah, know just aren't, aren't true. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and they'll share it because they know that it's almost like advertising even though they don't believe it themselves. Or they come to believe it because it's convenient. And, you know, this idea that alcohol... So, and we're nine days away from dry July. Um, I saw James Atkinson posted the um, the um, uh, Game of Thrones meme of the guy with the sword going, right. you know, um, prepare for... You know, it, it is coming dry July media releases because we're already starting to get peppered with them. And it yeah. is alcohol-free yeah. breweries pouring the same tropes into their media releases that are never backed up with evidence, never backed up. It's kind of like millennials are drinking less. So what, you know, the, actually the big one that I keep seeing over and over again is how big our low um, and no alcohol industry is. And they sort of say it's 30%. So, mm. so there's a huge market for zero alcohol beer. 25% of our beer market is mid-strength beer. 
So even if there yeah. is a low or a zero, it is less than 5%. Um, well, well, that's because, again, when, when the US defines low ALK, I mean, this is the whole fight around the US Brewers Association style guidelines, but when the US talks about low ALK, they're basically talking about a less than 5% beer. When we talk low ALK, because we have a mid-strength market, we mean less intuitively than less than 3.5%. You and I do that intuitively. Maybe the consumer does it too, but the net result is we're conflating our two things when we use low ALK um, and we're actually talking about a bigger market that that isn't a difference from from what already existed. So I totally agree with you on the facts. But to me, what I what I thought was interesting about with this is it's the chink in the armor. It's the journalist starting to go, oh yeah, hey, what about yeah. that? And and it's gonna and, right. and it's gonna and blow. So, and so if 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 the if the market wasn't growing when it was unquestionably favorable publicity, how's that market gonna go once people start looking at the price and going, oh, I'd I'd just rather have a soda water, thanks. Well, right now when people are, you know, watching every penny, which is, you know, sort of the point I was making earlier, which is people are, are literally shopping differently than they used to. Um, there was market research that came out that was basically, you know, people are going to probably look, people are eager for social occasions. So having a really good offering when you they do go for social occasions, but that those will be less frequent. Um, and that actually there's still that opportunity for packaged at-home product. But again, for craft beer to make to to make the case around community independence and all of those things while you're drinking at home alone is a really different case to mm. be made than it is for come to our welcoming for everybody establishment. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how different businesses decide to face how consumer changes occur over the next what will be you know 12 to 18 months and I talked to a company today who were basically saying look you know we know what our spend is over the next couple of months but over the next 18 months we are getting um, you know our corporate spends everything is getting cut so if corporates are, are, are dialing it back that means they're dialing back benefits to employees there's going to be pressures on wages. So, you know, you can watch the whole thing contracting and the net result is that um, people will decide um, how much money they have to spend on the luxury. Actually, you, you make a really good point. Um, and, and the other thing that, that comes of that is we've been in an industry that has prided itself on not having to spend big on marketing because yeah. craft beer, and, and, and this is where I, I, I keep saying over and over again, Craft beer has just been a fashion. It's not been. It, it, it's ended up being a fashion, not a movement or anything like that. And mm. many breweries haven't had to spend big on marketing because the community was small. You could reach it fairly easily, but that organic growth has dried up. So, so all of these people who told themselves that it was their content marketing or things that was growing the market, it wasn't. The market was growing organically because craft beer was of its time. Now, when dollars are harder to come by, um, there's a lot of other economic pressures. Businesses have never needed to market, to actually market their products more than ever. Um, and it's not... And maybe, Matt, that's really interesting. I, again, sort of, you know, squaring the circle on this. But, um, you know, we've just been getting so many shit media releases oh, from PR no. firms. And from I, PR do, I know, I'm not trying to wind you... Fortune 
for badly okay, so written, just <laughs> badly, you know, oh, it's just, yeah. I, t- I didn't mean to wind you up. The point I was trying to make there. Trigger sorry, warning. Sorry, the, the point I, yeah, trigger warning, exactly. The point I was trying to make there is that as breweries um, can't get traction with their organic reach, with their content marketing, they're turning to people that they think are experts and handing over significant dollars to try and, eke out some earned media and try and eke out a new approach but can I just tell you from being on the receiving end a lot of it um, don't just hand over that spend to a PR firm without really looking at what they're doing or becoming educated on on it yourself because it's just a waste of money and I'm not saying there aren't good PR firms I'm not saying there aren't good things happening about um, Bad Shepherd you know, Didi reached out to us and sort of said, and I, I think she also sent it to the Crafty Pint and probably sent it to, to, to others. Um, you know, look, here's an interesting story that is going on for us. She sent it directly to us. And actually, that is a really interesting story. And you know, we're journalists. We will write the story for you. Um, if you go to a public relations firm and pay the $1,000 retainer a month or whatever, all they're going to do is write a story for you and then send it to us that we have to fix the gram- grammatical errors and the punctuation errors and the factual errors. Find some images. Find some images. And, 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 you know, and we ended up having to do the work when if you just reached out to us in the first place, we would have done the story oh. anyway. <laughs> I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't doing a well, house no, 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 I have a point. It pisses me off. I want to get off my chest. It, well, the reason I flag it is that as businesses start to scramble, they're going to be looking for what can we do. And one of the things I'll be doing is, oh, can a PR agency help solve it for us? And I guess the, the lesson learned that I want out of this is, um, you know, really it, you can't just hand over the money and expect it to make a change or expect there to be ROI. You know, you as the business owner really need to get involved in that because um, there's the we are in seeing an increase in people who are now pushing money towards PR firms and an increase in those media releases hitting us. And I can tell you that, you know, there's not a lot of earned media in those um, and a lot of money being spent on them at, at, a round, at a global rounded up at an industry level. And so I just, you know, flag that. Okay. Anyway, that there's sounds an very done. Debbie Dyer. Uh, God. It, it, I mean, there was a lot of news around. It, I think it was just one of those weeks after a couple of weeks of no... I was going to say last week was super quiet and then this week was, ooh, watch the foundations of our industry continue to shuffle. <laughs> Be kind to yourselves out there. What was the um, Hill Street Blues? Uh, you know, stay safe out there. Something. Are the Hill Street Blues someone I should know? <laughs> it would have been before that... your time. Hey, everyone, just yeah. um, join, okay. me, join with me um, to sing Happy Birthday for Sabrina who between this podcast and next will be turning 40. Woo-woo. I hope you don't mind me uh, outing you on that. No, I'm going to be old. That's I won't fine. sing because I'll just the end of the show. Thank they can God. All turn off now that would have anyway. been awkward. All right. All right. Bye, Thank Matt. You. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank you all for listening. Uh, and we'll be back. Uh, oh, sorry. And I just want to say, yeah, um, hopefully we'll be back next week with a beer of conversation. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, normal con- service will continue. And apologies for any... Uh, gremlins that got into this as I edited it myself. Back next week. See ya.